When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm super passionate about moving and thinking. On this show, we are going to dive into all things health, fitness, personal development, lifestyle, and political sociocultural. I've always been fascinated by people, and I love learning from the experiences and stories of others. This has been a treat for me, and I hope this is enjoyable and useful for you. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or any way that I can make this a better experience for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Hello, welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I am back with Dr. Karen Siegmund, a dear friend of mine and the president of American Freedom Alliance. How are you doing today? Um, Well, you know, aside from everything else, I'm great, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) You know. Yeah, so we were talking a little bit before I press record about lots of issues that are currently plaguing this country, so. I know that that's like a one word answer for you, but maybe, we could, <laughs> maybe you could start telling me what do you think are some of the things that are the biggest issues we're facing currently? Um, it, you know, daily, everything that we're hearing about what's going on is just, just feels so catastrophic. It's hard to, it's hard to contain them all. So, so I guess what I would say overall is America isn't America anymore. I feel really strongly that we've come very far from what America was originally designed to be, intended to be. Um, it, uh, almost all of our founding tenets have been completely thrown out the window. We've gotten so far from the Constitution. We've gotten, you know, just, just this morning, um, it came out of the White House that we 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 ought not call it the Biden ad- administration anymore, as administrations have always been, but it's the Biden Harris administration. So there's already a deconstruction of, wow. of the office of the presidency, right? Yeah. Just from the top. I mean, this is literally word. So are they from one the White person House. now? You know, hmm? unity. So are they one person now? They kept well, being unity. They're, they're one person, which one of the things that I posited on Facebook, does that mean if we impeach one, we impeach them both? That would be because, great. Right? Because <laughs> if they're equally responsible mm-hmm. for the office of the presidency, when you impeach, you impeach whoever holds that off, the person the holding the office. Right, yeah. Right? And so if it's both of them sort of co-joined um, holding that office, does that mean, you know, you're you're both out of here and i get it that means nancy pelosi is next in line we'll deal with that next i'm not going to let that you know stop any (laughs) any action that we need to take against biden harris of which there are plenty but so that's just the most recent um piece of destroying the foundation why they're calling it the biden harris of course no 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 (laughs) oh okay no. What, what, what would they say? Because the man can't be president. <laughs> what, 
Right. Uh, right. I mean, even he calls her President Harris. So maybe it's just to sort of slough over the fact that even he sees her as president. And this is an interesting way to sort of finesse it. Right. right. I don't know. But he clearly can't be, he clearly cannot be president. We knew he couldn't be president. We knew he wasn't elected president. We know he can't act as president. Um, nothing coming out of the White House is from him. It's all, you know, the agenda that they've had forever. And if whatever he signs, again, without making any announcements, she's always hovering over with a mask and China calls us clowns. Russia withdrew their um, ambassador. I mean, the chaos that he's wreaking, the weakness that he's projecting yeah. is, you know, whatever one felt about Trump, you project strength, yep. period, because that's your job. That's your job. You're protecting, defending the people of the United States and, and, and upholding the constitution, but you're, you're, you have to project strength or else you're vulnerable. This isn't about who's a nice guy. This is about who we look to, to protect the American people. And Biden with his every word, breath, deed, stumble, literally um, projects nothing but weakness. I called him the other day. I said, um, he's, he's so far from being an alpha male. He's not even a beta male. He's actually kind of an omega, which is the last letter of the alphabet. And, and he does that on purpose. I mean, on bended knee, to, <laughs> quite literally, right? He's, he's on the steps, not once, not twice, but three times he falls. And that, which I find tragic we we laugh but it's actually tragic that we yeah, put yeah. this aging elderly a man with dementia with physical problems in this position but all of that all of that was horrible but what struck me even worse if anything can be worse he got to the top of the steps and he turns around and he's all alone and he's wearing a mask and I thought what what more says I am afraid of absolutely everything. Yeah. I'm afraid of everything. And how do you, how does the president of the United States of America, literally the fig, the, the leader of the free world, world, yeah, right? He's the guy, he's the America's where people around the globe look to for strength, for freedom, for protecting their freedoms, if they are freedom fighters, Yep. And to have a guy, the head of that icon of freedom, project weakness in every possible way is one of the most destructive, scary things, both for people within the country, from, from enemies within, but also, you know, people are just gleefully rubbing their hands and saying, America's, they're going to lead with a white flag. Yeah. We are leading with a white, white flag. And also, I think that the people who look to us to protect them, you know, right. so many countries have looked to us to be the ones to defend them from, you know, their enemies and from those who are robbing them of their freedoms and their safety. And right. And we saw exactly. And we saw this with Obama, how I think it was Poland. He withdrew um, our forces from Poland, which I'm sorry, you, the world, it's 
you know, geopolitics is a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's not just, oh, we weren't being very nice. No, it, it's, it's actually very akin to segue to another issue, to defunding the police. Well, before you get to that, I think it's very interesting when you talk about geopolitics, the people really want to talk about globalism when it serves their agenda. Right, that's a you know, great like, point. Let's be nice, we're all one, it's one world, one people. But right. the, the, the flip side of that is that we are all interconnected. And, you know, humanity is not, you know, simple and all nice and care bears and rainbows. So. You know, when right. you're dealing with geopolitics, that means you really have to deal with the conflicts that that lie within being a such an interconnected globe. It, that's that's a, a really so great and important point because the idea of of globalism says that somehow when all the bad guys are gotten rid of, um, we will all live in peace and harmony. And and that premise is when all the bad guys are gotten rid of because. You will never get rid of all the bad guys because everybody becomes a bad guy at, at some point, right? We all, you're you're mean to me, you're mean to my kids. All of a sudden, now I'm a bad guy to you. So it's it's, you know, ima imagine imagine a world without borders. I'm sorry, but somebody's going to put up a border. So it just it, it's nonsensical this utopianism. As long and as long as there are bad guys, you need to have people to fight against them. Yep, and. We may not like that that's us, but it is, it is us. And my question is, okay, if it's not us, who would you rather it be? Well, why does it have to be anybody? Because it will be somebody. And it could be somebody who doesn't act as a good guy, but yep. who takes advantage of a vacuum that we may create. So which, you know, which would you rather, would you rather have it? You know, I, in World War II, we sided with Stalin. Oh my gosh, that's such a horrible thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, and together we defeated Hitler. Okay, so you make allies. The, wor the world is a complex place. You can see it as black and white, but you often have to operate in the gray. Yep. You, just, you just do. Would we have rather sided with Switzerland? That would have been lovely. And then we would all be speaking German and you know that's you have to do things that are and the, and the truth is that there is never a neutral sometimes unpleasant to get to the bigger goal but but yeah to your point about globalism it's all it's all lovely to think about but the reality is we're never all going to get along i know people who i don't get along with let you know why should countries get along together and and, and it's really important i i live this I have this in my head all the time. The opposite of war is not peace, it's surrender. Yep. And so if you wanna to surrender to people who are bad guys, hate-filled, destructive, you, you find your, you know, your favorite thing to be worried about. If you don't wanna to surrender to them, then you do have to stand up to them. And of course, we'd all rather not have conflict, but, but if they want conflict, what are you going to do? You know, we're never the ones who, who start the wars. Yep. But we are there, as you said, for the people who do want to be free and we will support them, be it in war or in peace or in policy or in money, or, you know, you just know that we're here. When we had AFA had our global freedom movements conference last October and 
AFA had our Global Freedom Movements yeah. Conference last October, and we had people from all around the world coming to speak about what they're doing for freedom, either within their country or with their if they're part of their country's governance. And almost every speaker said, we feel stronger in our stance and more able in our stance because of President Trump in the White House. And now you know every one of those people is is feels more despair. Yeah, absolutely. I, I saw that before the election. There were so many people from around the globe who were so invested in what was going to happen. And I, right. I found that you know I, I got it, but I also found it really fascinating. I mean, I try to stay afloat of you know what's going on, but I mean, I'm not like deep deep diving into what's happening in every country's you know elections and policies and and these people really were from all over the world but especially on the west they were really really concerned you know people from australia from canada you know england really just on the edge of their seats what's going to happen deeply concerned and you were in washington on january 6th as as was i and the biggest presence of you know stands and booths and signs that was that was one cohesive thing was the um the anti-chinese communist party yep. people who were absolutely terrified of of a left-wing yet another left-wing um nation on on the globe who's not going to stand up against communism and that's it's really scary to just be one of those and to be yet another left-wing country that doesn't stand up for freedom and against tyranny. Instead, we've got coddling. And when China calls you a bunch of clowns, which they did, yep. and when China gets on a high horse against us for racism, whatever, which we know that's all garbage, but yep. that they feel empowered yep. to chastise us that's what's that's what's really scary with Trump. They may have laughed, but nobody nobody took that kind of a stand. Exactly. And to your point about Switzerland, I you know yeah. this is one of my pet peeves because <laughs> it, it, the idea of neutrality is really it's it's another utopia. Nobody <laughs> is neutral. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, yeah. you can't be neutral. Human beings always they can only see through their perspective. You're never going to be neutral. You always have interests. You have needs. You have desires. And right. because nations are comprised of individuals, they, the same goes for them. You're never going to be neutral. Exactly. You can't, as long as there's evil, and I think it was Elie Wiesel said this, as long as there's evil, you, you can't be neutral because neutral gives power to evil. The only thing that fights evil is overtly good. And for us to abdicate that position. Yes, you know, I, I wish we hadn't sided with Stalin either. So it goes, you know, right. There was well, a common enemy and, and, and that's, that's the way it goes. I'm, you know, it's just so funny, not funny, but World War II, we, we did stay out of it. We stayed out of it and we stayed out of it and stayed out of it. And we didn't choose to be good over evil. We chose to, you know, Europe, we're just not going there anymore. And Imagine if Japan hadn't bombed Pearl Harbor. I mean, I'm so, thank goodness, because it's what brought us in. And 
it's a horrible thing, but as long as there are horrible people willing to do horrible things, you have to stand up to it. That's, that's all there is. That's all there is to it. And that's, you know, there's different levels of horrible. There's bombing, there's canceling, there's being mean to you. So, you know, we have to decide where in the, on the spectrum it requires us to step in or frightens us enough to get out. Right. Right. The harsher they get, the, um, the left gets, the more people just go, oh, I'm not going there. Right. And in arguably that's the more reason to step in and to stand up. That's how I see it. And I know that's how you see it. Yeah. Um, courage. It shouldn't require courage to do a lot of the things that we do, but somehow it does. And they raise the stakes all the time. But the more they raise the stakes to me, and I think to you, the more we realize we have to speak out and speak up. Um, I, I, I've been thinking a lot about this. You know, you know my, my, my tweet this morning was that, or maybe yesterday, that uh, we have a pandemic of cowardice. I know you've heard me say this. Oh, to- um, absolutely, yeah. And we do, <laughs> for sure. But I've been thinking about where this cowardice stems from. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of it, you know, typically... When you talk about like in personal development, you talk about being committed to your purpose, your sense of why. And I think because we have been so disconnected from the, the found, as you said, the founding tenets of this nation, you know, our founders were, they were willing to take such risks, which were uh, way, the stakes were way higher for them than they are for us. Um, But because they were so deeply committed to why it was important to stand for freedom. And I think that we, it doesn't require much courage if your why is, right, what did Nietzsche say? Anybody who, uh, you know, knows if, I, I'm going to mess it up, but, you know, it, is committed to his why can, you know, find any how. Uh-huh, and, right. Right, you know, they'll find any how. And it doesn't require a whole lot of courage to figure out the how and to combat whatever is standing in the way if you know deep, if you have like that sense of purpose deep in your heart. Yeah, you know that that's more important, but I think because people really don't know, and I think most people, I think you know, there the other pandemic is lack of purpose these days. I think there absolutely, is yeah, definitely a pandemic of lack of purpose, and so therefore it does require courage because people don't know why they're standing up. No, but but I I completely agree. But during and but during the riots, not the January sixth. Right. Yeah. That yeah. wasn't a riot. We're agreed on that. Um, but the Black Lives Matter terrorism yeah. that was happening um, throughout the summer. I think one reason that that all happened was it did give people purpose. Yeah, it filled the void of lack of it, purpose. I agree. It, it really did. And the more and this is, you know, what, what's going on in the country. But one of the things that scares me the most right now on a entirely different level yeah. is the more they demonize us and they do this with every breath um, and every every time they demonize Trump, they demonize us, right? The shooting that just happened, not the one in, in, in Colorado, but the la- last week, the Asian, um, the right. sex, the massage parlor sex, whatever it was, uh, this was hate crimes against Asians, which of course had nothing to do with anything, 
but they it allowed them to put it on the back of Trump because he called it the China, whatever. If there's a way to attribute it to Trump, they're gonna do it. Not only to go after Trump, but to go after us. So what they're actually doing is, is um, and think, think back, we, all, we read about the Holocaust, we read about Hitler and, and we read it and we think, God, if I had been there, I would have stood up you know, against these Nazis. They were really horrible. And the Holocaust, I would have absolutely stood up. I know I would have, I, I, you know, I read about it. And if only I had been there, you know, I would have, I would have done something. But now they're given an opportunity. We know, well, actually now they're yeah. being given that opportunity. Yep. Now painting us as the bad guy, they are being given that opportunity to act out that um, righteous social justice warrior, that righteousness, that um, that purpose, that's saving the country yep. from the bad guys, who's us? And that's, there's gonna be a conflagration of that because that really, I was chased out of a store, mask related stuff by a guy who was really angry. It's so funny. I, he, he's chasing me out of the store. I'm walking away. I'm just, you know, I, I'm not messing with you. You're actually a little bit scary. And he's filming me. He's filming me. I'm walking out and he's filming me. And he goes, there she goes, there goes Karen. And I thought, oh my God, how does he know my name? <laughs> <laughs> but obviously anyway that's just an aside yeah, yeah. right um but he and you can say that he was a coward because he was wearing a mask mm -hmm. except to him he was ask, acting from a position he felt he was the strong one keeping his community safe right from evil people like me and i know that that's what they're instilling in people so yes there's a there's there's a um, pandemic of a lack of purpose, but it's being filled yep. by the left in sick, weird, twisted, backwards, harmful ways. And he felt he was being courageous, chasing after <laughs> a Karen. <laughs> but but I really do think that they are tapping into people's innate need to to have purpose, mm -hmm. to do good. Yep. to right wrongs, to be fair, which are all things that we think are important. Yep. But they've taken that and filled it with the do good is to make sure everybody's healthy and wears a mask. Um, and we get rid of the racist, homophobic, white supremacist, Trump supporters. Mm -hmm. They have courage. They're willing to speak truth to power, which is complete crap because they have all the power. And, um, and they're going to unite and do it and stand tall and feel really good about it. And everything that they're told and, and writing wrongs, right? The whole Black Lives Matter thing is America was born on the back of slavery. And so it all fits beautifully into human needs. It does. The, and it, oh, oh, sorry, finish your and, thought. And, and so they're exploiting our human needs for these good things. Yeah. And they're exploiting people's need to express compassion. We come back to compassion all the time. So, yeah, it's it that really scares me that they're exploiting the best of us, the best of our human nature 
in order to destroy the best of us Which who really want to right right there's a misconception that sociopaths are devoid of empathy and the the truth of it some psychopaths maybe but most sociopaths actually have incredible empathy the difference is they don't connect to it they use it to manipulate exactly and it so deeply that they know exactly what cards to pull and how to manipulate what strings to pull to manipulate you exactly exactly and and that it's it's such a bizarre um um set of circumstances right they don't they they are very well able to tap into into needs and but but only to exploit only only to exploit to exploit them which harms them and they exploit them to also harm us and it's it's just tears upon tears of of destruction um um the, uh, the whole letting children decide for themselves if they want to take irreversible um, dr- drugs or whatever that have that are irreversible for puberty blockers and so on because they're empathetic and yet and it serves their purpose of destroying society's standards mores you know everything to, to get to identity so it's destructive on every level it's destructive of the children it's destructive of policies it's destructive of culture it's destructive of society it's destructive and then, and then it, it, it's more destructive because we are also asked, not asked, demanded to go along with this right. destructive construct and say, oh yeah, no, it's fine. Johnny's now Jane and you know she's much happier this way. And we're supposed to agree with it. So yes, there's this, there's always a kernel of, of something that's, that's the better nature that's then exploited for I was going to say nefarious purposes. It is nefarious, but it it is it is evil. There's just no other way around. Yeah, um, and I, when you're talking about the lack of purpose, I think it's a really interesting because I, I think about I, I don't know if you've seen. I think I've told you the the film Arguing the World about the New York intellectuals. Oh, so what's really interesting, just that's relevant to this, is about when uh, the the communists came to. United States, uh, you know, a little over 100 years ago, and they went into New York City, and they went into the ghettos, and they were trying to recruit, and they couldn't get the, you know, so in the ghettos, it was like the Irish, the Italians, and the Jews, mostly, you know, right at that time, that's mostly who, you know, was in the ghettos, and the Irish and the Italians would have none of it, because it required them, because Marxism, communism required them to denounce their religion, you know, Catholicism has, taken a very big left turn. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, but back then, you know, they, they could see that it rejected everything their religion, you know, was predicated upon. And so they, they wouldn't have anything to do with it. But the Jews who too desperately wanted to assimilate, and a lot of them were more secular, said sure. Right. And the, the reason it reminds me of this when you're talking about this, how the left fills this void of purpose is that I think they've, you know, we have become such a secular society. And so people don't have purpose because as human beings, you need to subscribe to some sort of universal moral ideal. And if you don't have that, you're searching for something to fill that. And that's what the left is pres- prescribing at to right. fill that 
avoid. Well, and I think they're able to do it because they've destroyed so many of the uh, religious institutions or yeah, spiritual. Right, right, right. That's really interesting about about the Jews. Um, and the others not having any any of it, but you know about the void of purpose. Mm-hmm. Not only are they exploiting it, they're the ones who created it in the first place. Yes, and right, they, right. They literally yeah. are the That's ones the who they created those institutions, and so therefore people don't have any on purpose moral ideals to subscribe to. Yeah, right, right, right. And and the idea of you know we, we can manage just fine without it. A, we know that's not true, and B. They know that's not true. They know that that's not true. That you, if you remove, just for to simplicity's sake, God yes. from people's lives, um, we don't just, it's not like, you know, running your finger or, or sco- scooping a bucket of water out of the ocean and it all just closes over it and we're all sort of the happier for it. It's not like that. And they know that. They know that when you remove God, um, my, I, I've heard this expression, I think it's wonderful. I don't know if she made it up or not, Kate. You, you create a, God-fill, a God-shaped hole. There's a God-shaped hole that's created. And, and they know that, which is why they do it. So it's I not even that they think that it was so great, right? It's really, so, so when they do this on purpose, it's not so that we'll all be better or happier. And it's not so that society doesn't need it. They know it's needed, right? They know it's needed, which is why they create it. And then they fill it. Yeah. Then they fill it. And so, the, and then you get people marching and burning buildings and feeling like now they have purpose and now they are valued and now they are doing good and sticking it to the bad guys, which again, it's the opposite is true. So when you don't, when you, you know, bottom, bottom line is when you've destroyed people's identity and killed their purpose and taken God out of their lives and society, it's harmful, it's destructive, it's on purpose. Bad things happen as a consequence. But the good side, the, the silver lining in that is that these are fixable. Yes. Right? Once you see how they're able, what they do to gain power, we can, ju- we can fight those things. We can put God back in. We can give purpose. We can... Um, show the difference between good and evil. We can teach gratitude. We can show where actual the what actually the bad things are that need to be fought against. We can we can do that if we choose to. And of course, it takes it takes courage. It, it's so interesting to me as you were speaking this. I mean, I, I've certainly had had this thought before, but it seems so crystal clear. This is literally like a repeat of the 19th century. You know, right? Like, oh, yeah. God is dead, right? <laughs> right, and right, then, right. Yeah. And so all these voids that were created, I, you know, there are differences, absolutely. I, I'm not saying this is exactly the same, but no, but echoes and yeah. Well, yes, the echoes. And and I like that that terminology better because it, it is the echo, the ripple effect. Yeah, yeah. There are variations of it, and each frequency is slightly different. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and maybe we do just have to go through this periodically. I don't know. We, maybe we do, maybe we need the reminder. Maybe we get complacent. Maybe we think, you know, conservatives we've said over the last 10 years that I've been hearing this, oh, I wanted to go to this event, but I was, um, well, I'll give two examples, but I had a dog grooming appointment, you know, that's, I'm sorry, that's your decision. I go a different way and those ones really annoy me, but what? You couldn't reschedule the dog grooming. No, no, no. It's hard to get a good dog grooming appointment. My dog groomer is, you know, special. And or 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 we've done this. My my kids play softball that morning. And that we we tend to feel that if we put our own house in order, everything is going to flow beautifully from that. And I we live according to our beliefs and ideals. Family comes first, taking care of our kids and and or we go to church we do all of that stuff for ourselves and I think that's great and wonderful they don't though and not, I don't mean they don't watch their kids at right. games but that's not number one the fight is number one and you know it, again just like the bad guys and global global politics if there are bad guys you have to fight the bad guys you don't get to just do softball definitely do softball but at some point you have to find a way also to be to be engaged or maybe you know or maybe you have good friends who are engaged i i just at a certain point we're all going to be drawn in i think and the fewer who stand up puts more burden on those who do yeah i i think that's but, absolutely true you know i i don't know uh, there are lots of ways to fight and supporting good cultural things is definitely one of them going to church is definitely one of them not real church not church of leftism as they've become <laughs> right right that's just empowering them again so and i i don't believe that every person needs to have religion in their lives but to strip it from those right that hold it so dear and who you know it, it is their their spiritual uh, guidance and their moral compass to strip them of that right are leaving a god-shaped hole and right that is going to create chaos it is going to uh create a uh a breeding ground for you know some somebody most likely with malevolent intentions to fill it right exactly it will be filled and it, it creates an opportunity. What, what was the old saying? The idle hand, idle hands are the devil's playground or something. Yes. Right. This is that, but writ large and, and deliberately. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. It's not, not everybody has to be in the same fight and not every, obviously not everybody has to, you know, defend religion or, or be religious, but Right. When it's stripped, when you're denied it, when it's taken out of not just private lives, but public life, yeah. deliberate, deliberate secularization, it, it does, it does cause a problem. And we, it's protected by the constitution, that freedom of, of religion, right? Yep, um, yep. We're, we're allowed to have it. And I've had people argue, oh, but that also means freedom from religion. 
I don't see where it said that. And you're free to not have religion, but why, but you're not really free to take it from me. Exactly. So, so freedom from religion means you don't have to participate. You don't have you to are not allowed to take it from somebody else. Right. You're not but then they go on the wall. But having their religion. Yeah. Right. You, I'm, nobody's saying you, thou shalt be religious. <laughs> 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 I don't remember it saying that in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not. So no. what are some of the other things that uh, we, we think are the most pressing? Yeah, um, kind of everything. I guess it, it does come down to, uh, well, if, if it's about the destruction of America, um, because I do think that is what it is, I would, we're, and we're seeing all of this through the lens of the pandemic and, and Biden, we're seeing the death of risk-taking, you know, Biden at the top of the steps. Um, we, in, in every way, we're killing the idea of risk. We've seen this for a long time, right? You have to sign disclaimers and, and in, in a way it's the left, but it's also a lot of our, our legal situation. We, every, anybody is liable for anything and, and all of, it makes things more complicated. It, and it adds a really complex element to the idea of risk. But imagine, you know, if, think back to Columbus for starters, to the Mayflower, to all the settlers, they were gigantic risk takers. And now we're, we've sort of, we've been drumming that out of us. And that scares me who we've become as a people. And that really goes to how we feminized culture so completely. So I, one little thing about the whole risk thing. I, yeah. I, this whole country was founded by people who were risk takers. Yeah. This whole breeding out risk is really, really dangerous because people, this, there's actually a gene, risk taking. It's the RDR4 with the seventh allow. Oh, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> so theoretically, Americans should be, I would think, people, the largest population with that gene. But yes. Keep, you know, if, if there is any evolution, you know, there is at least, you know, genetics and epigenetics. We know that. You keep breeding it out then you're going to have people, it's already a very small population who have that gene and it's a recessive gene. So how many more people are going to be able wow. to carry that through? And you're going to have, most people are risk adverse. That's because they're prone for survival, right? So they, right. so as human beings, we don't want to take risks because that's a endangerment to our potential survival. So right. yeah, but there's also risk that, uh, promotes survival and that is necessary for survival and we need some people to be those risk takers to pave the way so that other people can't live in comfort and we, we see that in this country but I, I think that it's really uh destructive and devastating not just you know from the conceptual but literally like literally science. yeah and literal that's I had that's absolutely fascinating I need to look into that but Americans as as you said and when I you know Mayflower and and all of that we were self-selecting risk takers yep our settlers everyone and they were people who came here knowing full well 
the risks. And that includes the ones who came over early. It includes um, the Oregon Trail people. It includes the California Gold Rush people. It includes, you know, Texas. It in anybody who who settled anywhere that was inhospitable, which is, you know, the whole North, um, would have would have had those risk taking genes. And yeah, now we're we're many generations into risk aversion, but there's also risk, the idea of if I don't take this, risk is all about if I do this, well, it's not all about it, but it's this is how I am now. And if I don't take this risk, it'll be worse. So they right. took risks for this, for an ideal, it wasn't even physical safety, right? So it was the pilgrims, whatever, whatever they were called, they were living okay. They just didn't have the kinds of freedoms that were important. So they, they didn't come over here to escape something that was putting them physically at risk. They came over for a, for a, a different kind of need and were willing to risk everything for that as our whole Adams and Washington and Hancock, all the founding, everyone who signed the Declaration of Independence, they took an unbelievable risk. They were, they were traitors. They were treasonous. Yep. And they knew that, but they didn't do this from a position of we got nothing to lose. They had everything to lose. Those they had everything to lose. So the kind of risk that they took, again, was for a bigger purpose. And they were willing to do it, not just for themselves, but to create this other whole thing that now, to your point, we're, we're breeding out. We're, we're breeding out, we're, we're losing it, and, or we're seeding it, I guess. Yeah. So when I, when I talk about we're losing America in this way, this way, this way, it's also with the full knowledge of the risks and the sufferings and the blood shed in the beginning and all the way through in order for us to have what we have. And we're still throwing it away. So all those risks that were taken by those great men, never has there been a revolution by people who had everything. Revolutions are usually, you know, we've tried it all and we're still starving to death and so we're, this is what we're going to do. Ours is the only one that was ever like that. And it was founded on principles of freedom, not like the French liberté, but our, our own sense of it. And they took unbelievable risks. And now we have Joe uh, Biden falling up the stairs alone with a mask. Yeah. I know. I shouldn't laugh. I know. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's really tragic, but it's, it is also just, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it is it's surreal. It's surreal. That's it. Exactly. It's like a Dada painting. It, it yeah. really is. Who could have, you know, I'm sure they've spun in their graves, you know, enough over the, over the centuries, but right now, they died for this. They struggled for this. They fought for this. Anyone who fought and died, you know, in World War One and World War Two and Korea and Vietnam and, you know, in Afghanistan and Iraq, you you name it. Um, 
for this. It's, it's such a, a tragedy. And when people wear this as a, well, we're doing the right thing because America has been terrible. It, um, their souls are full of wrong and hate and shame, which always makes me sad. So everything that their whole lives are premised on is false and hurtful. And that's been done deliberately. And then when they pass that on to kids, that's, but again, that show, I'm just horrible, but it shows where we can shine a light, where we can fix, where we can do things. We can teach pride in America. We can, you know, seven, just for starters, pride, pride in America and the value of, of, um, of freedom and, and what is important to you and getting kids to see how unbelievably fortunate they are to be here, however they are here. But, it, but you know, I'm back to the things that got me fired. So <laughs> keep coming back to that. Yeah. <laughs> but we have done the, all of Western civilization, but certainly America has, when you give strength to people who want freedom, I don't see how that's a bad thing. No, I don't either. And that, that is an interesting point to teach children how uh, to be grateful to be American. It, it's very yeah. interesting to me because I remember that was a very distinct thought I had at a really young age. I mean, I remember being like four or five, six thinking, I'm so lucky that I was born here. Yeah. And that, and the chances, you know, that of all the places in the world that I could have been born, you know, and of all the parents I could have had that I'm here and that I had, you know, certainly with all of my challenges that I had all of these opportunities and that I had, you know, all this, uh, you know, the, I had so many resources that I wouldn't have had necessarily elsewhere. And I remember being so grateful that that was, I mean, that was, you know, talk about luck or, you know, if you're religious, that was like, I was blessed, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was cursed with these challenges, but I mean, I was blessed to have resources to be able to surmount them, you know? And kids today are not taught that. And, you know, I I don't even think I was, I was too young to have been taught it in the sense of this is what your founding fathers gave you. you Right, 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 right. It was just, you know, but it was inculcated and it was, you know, imparted through the values. And that's something so, because I think this is something we talk about when we're thinking about like how conservatives can, what they can do. And a lot of times, you know, there's this, well, we can educate and that gets, I I think we should do that. I'm not, you know, undermining that, but I think there is something a little bit more simple, you know, not everybody uh, wants to, or has a capacity for, you know, the, uh, most uh, in-depth education on our history, uh, although I encourage it for everyone, including children. <laughs> um, but really simple things like just, you know, starting in the home with the values. Right. Is really powerful, I think. And even just, even just gratitude. I mean, we talk yeah. about being proud to be an American, but I've, I've been saying for a while, and I keep meaning to have these bumper stickers made up 
grateful to be an American. Well, and that was that was my point as a kid. I was so grateful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Proud, here. whatever, but grateful. And I think that has an entirely different ethos if you have that on your car. From you know, proud is you know we're 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 supremacists, but I'm we're just lucky as hell. We yeah. are so lucky, lucky to be an American, grateful to be an American. Um, yeah, I and mean, gratitude is is something we we need to talk about a lot more as conservatives, but also as you say in the home, those lessons, all all the basic values, and yes, the history as far as the education piece goes, but, but values, of course, um, and we don't, we don't talk about values in any way, shape or form, any honesty, integrity, loyalty, um, faithfulness, you, you know, pick, pick your favorite ones. We don't, virtues. those aren't in our, on our, yeah, virtues, those aren't in our lexicon anymore at all. And if we pepper our, discourse more with that yeah virtues values um yeah exactly we we should be doing that use the word pride um use the word um gr uh, not pride no, uh, gratitude and gratitude, it's a direct combatance to the grievance right because the what the left is oh absolutely victimhood and it's, it's exactly. very hard to be a victim if you're grateful right well and that's the, that's the opposite, right? And that's why they're killing it. Yes. You know, it's not just, yeah, that, that's exactly why. How, that's exactly why they kill it. And that's exactly why we should resurrect it because yeah, you, they are exact opposites and they do play to the whole, the more you create a sense of victimhood and that's all, you know, again, black back to Black Lives Matter. Yeah. You're victims and, and if you're not a victim, somebody else is a victim. And so standing up for victims is the right thing. There's your purpose again. So, and this is how you can, you can be, it's, it's all just a crazy mental game that they do with people. You're a victim. So, so fight, fight against your victimhood and go burn down this building and steal these televisions and that'll show you know it's it's crazy because you're entitled because you're entitled right and entitlement and and gratitude are of course exactly the opposites as well so the more we um uphold that's not really the right word hold up i guess is better those virtues um the harder they will have to fight but Yeah, it's really kind of a mess, isn't it? It, it is, because I, I think, you know, when I ask, like, what are the big things that are plaguing America? I, I, I look at it as kind of two, in the broad sense, two mm -hmm. really big battles. And I kind of go back and forth on which are the bigger ones, um, because they're kind of pretty parallel. Is So I think we have the culture battle. And I think that that is really like you know I, I we were talking about how i just wrote an article on critical race theory and i really believe that if we that that will be the death of america if we do not fight back because absolutely the mark as you were talking about um, our founding fathers the only ones who ever fought a revolution like that and it's right. because 
the every other revolution was based on class struggle. It was traditional Marxist, you know, the proletariat versus the bourgeoisie and, you know, rising up and revolting because you were, you had no mobility. And because our founding fathers, that was the opposite. They had everything. These were the elites who fought for revolution and they were fighting against tyranny. They weren't fighting against poverty. And so what we have now in this country is you can come into this country and or start off with absolutely nothing and become a billionaire. There are become, many people and become famous. Because you know the top become president. Of, become president. Yes, you you can not live. as an immigrant, but but look at you know Bill Clinton, absolutely nothing, and Abe Lincoln, and yeah, sorry, but yes, yeah, no, exactly right. And you, the reverse is true as well. You can start off with you know, seemingly having everything, everything handed to you and lose it all. And because of that, they've swapped out, you know, the, you know, pecuniary card with the race card because the race card can't be changed. And then they create the intersectionality so that you have all the being interlinked. Um, But I say all this to say that they are creating a color. I I mean, I kind of think we've already experienced it, but, you know, it's incumbent upon us to fight back against the color revolution that has gone underway. And that is the culture. So I think that that's, you know, really tantamount. And then on the other hand, we have these policies that they're pushing through because they do have power and because there's so much corruption. And the corruption to me is, I, you know, you can look at the individual list of things they're doing, like with HR1 and with the border crisis and with, you know, the, uh, the transgender bills and you know all of these different it, it, the right. list is on and on. I mean, I wake up every morning and it's really hard to keep up. But who am I kidding? It's like I go to the gym for an hour and I, I missed you know the whole the whole country collapsing because something else has passed. But yeah, well, yeah, it's but, hour by hour. But I think it's not so. But I think that really, like, if we were to try and like uh, look at the crux of all that, the problem is the corruption. And none of these policies, if you go list by list, we can't fight each one until that's really uh, kind of uprooted or cleaned out and dealt with. So those are my kind of how I see it in, in the broad sense. I mean, you can go through it. Obviously, there's so much under that and inside that. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, I, I agree about the culture. Absolutely. And, and yeah, and the whole Marxist thing, you know, workers of the world unite, you have nothing to lose, but your chains, whatever. Well, the workers of the world, once they industrial revolution and so on, actually were pretty good with everything. And and so that wasn't working. And the development of the middle class just gutted that whole, as you say, the class structure that to rise up against. And so they had to replace it with something more immutable like race. And, and, then, and then it's just absolutely everything to do with one's identity, right? Gender and 76 gender. So there's all these, just the whole intersectionality is, is complete chaos. But yes, they had to replace class with everything else really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, and pit one of one group against another group. It's full on balkanizing. It's divide and divide and conquer, and so on. So they've made complete chaos and destroying identity as as they go. So yeah, it is 
I definitely agree. Much has to be fought. And I use the word fight, you know, I, in, in its context, obviously, we have to fight the culture war as well. And I, and I think we are. As far as the political, I think it's, you know, Breitbart said politics is downstream from culture. So what we're seeing in those policies is just another vehicle for advancing all of that stuff. Um, all, all of it and um, open borders is also to destroy culture. Open borders is also, you know, everything that they're passing has, has another nefarious purpose and HR1, obviously to just, I mean, it really is just gonna destroy everything. But the idea of, I, I, I don't think one will ever rid anything of corruption. I, I think- Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I don't think, <laughs> maybe I should have reworded that, but I think it's that it's become, you always have some corruption. I, yeah, I but it's operating via corruption now. Exactly. Right, yeah, right. Th and that's and, that's and so the, the mechanism as opposed to the the cancer, the you know one right. You know, it really it really is the mechanism, and they stand up there with pride, you know, doing it. Nancy Pelosi is just the absolute face of of corruption, even as she spews, you know. And I'm a Catholic, and I believe in the Constitution, and I, you, it just it just makes one skin crawl for the you know, if there, if, if ever a lightning bolt were to strike because of somebody's just, you've just, you've hit your limit as to your human limit of, of flat out lying, it would be, it would be right, right at Nancy Pelosi. So yeah, it is the, it is the mechanism by which everything is done, which again, when you study about the constitution and the founding fathers and all the checks and balances they tried to put in, to make sure it doesn't happen this way and yet it has been done it has been happening this way and they've been just chipping away chipping away um federal overreach obviously um legislative branch is destroyed the judicial branch means nothing anymore um and i i guess if you consider all that part and parcel of the entire governance system has been corrupted um that i yeah it's how far we've come from the founding um tenets so what i what i said what's the my biggest america is not america anymore and that's absolutely one reason we've we've gotten so far from it you know we each have our favorite pet amendment that that's destroyed things um but overall it's yeah, the federal government has gotten too strong. States governments have, have abdicated too much. People don't feel empowered anymore. Um, we've lost our voices, even while they scream democracy, demo it's, we're never intended to be a democracy. God being gone, right? I mean, even the founding fathers knew without a moral compass of religion, this whole thing wasn't gonna work. And our conversation about values and virtues it's exactly what we're seeing. Those things are gone, which is why Black Lives Matter works, which is why Kamala Harris can openly, proudly say, I donate to this organization that bails out the rioters who were just put in jail. And people go, oh, isn't she just a wonderful person? So 
it's it's all corrupt corrupt corrupted. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on the corruption when I when I see it that way. We've lost America has lost a moral compass. Yeah. And we just don't know. I, no, that's not true. We, we we do know. We know where to steer. They also know where to steer. It's not that they don't know. They know where to steer and choose again with malice of forethought to steer it other in an, in another direction. And you know, it's so interesting. I just had this thought. I think I was saying this the other night about you know how a lot of people like to say I'm a socially liberal but fiscally conservative. And right. when you you know we're talking about like the founding fathers and knowing they needed to have that moral compass woven into the founding documents and what and that's why we were founded on judeo-christian values right, right. but what's so interesting i just i had said the other night that you know you can't extricate one from the other and they knew this even think when you talk about free markets if you you were to leave human nature to run free markets greed is going to be the dump greed ambition that's going to be at the forefront and so that's going to take over free markets you're going to have monopolies that are created as a result it is the moral uh the moral compass and the moral uh you know a the moral checks and balance really yeah. that are that the or the morality i should say that is the checks and balance for the what would happen if free free markets were to just run amok by by virtue of human nature and right. that is why they go hand in hand you can't just have secular um and that's not to say i i believe there are individuals who are uh secular or atheistic who are capable of having strong moral compass but i don't yes. think societies are you know because right. that you need that woven in to be in order to say here are you know, for lack of a better way of putting it, here are the Ten Commandments. And so you cannot violate these, no matter what, you know, uh, economic policies or, you know, uh, just general policies you want to implement. Yeah. Or, or it's provenance, where yeah. the Ten Commandments came from. I don't care if Moses or, or, or Joe, not yep. Joe, bad, bad name, Mike. <laughs> not, not a fan of Joe right now. <laughs> It doesn't matter where they came from. Can you argue with these? But no, you're not allowed to have them. But also, um, you just sparked a thought. Um, without without the moral compass or or values, yeah, without the moral values, you're you're going to make entirely different decisions. But not only are they saying we reject religion. And, and I agree with you, you can have a moral code, right and wrong, without religion. But there's a rejection of the very idea that there's a right and a wrong. Yes. And that's, and that's, a, that's a, a real problem. As soon as you say, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, not that there's anything wrong with that. Well, actually, there are a lot of things wrong with a lot of things. And, we, you know, um, there's, there's no reason um five men can't be as good as parent at parenting as as a mom and dad well maybe maybe not the five guys you know but generally speaking it works best it just it works best that's all 
It, nobody's saying it shouldn't be any other way, but that works best. I'm sorry, that works best. Other things can also be possible. But as soon as you reject the idea that anything is as good as anything else, which is generally what they say, right? Um, then that, that's what, so they're not just devoid of a moral code or compass. They're rejecting the idea that there even should be something like a moral code or compass. Yes. The thing I hear a lot is uh, perception is reality. Well, actually, no. <laughs> actually, perception no. is your perception and reality is reality. Facts reality, are reality. reality. And that's not to say that we're always privy to what is reality. We can only see through our perception, but that doesn't negate reality. Right, right. Definitely. Um, and we can be aware that our own lens contributes something. Sure. But but that's not to say that the thing that we're examining doesn't have its own property. So yeah, and they, they reject they reject the very idea that there is a reality. Well, that's not my reality. Well, it is reality. We had um, Warren, just to the other, other point, we had Warren Farrell speak in our school shooting conference. Warren Farrell was one of the, I think he was the first spokesman for National Organization of Women. He was a major leftist. And, and they loved him and he loved them and he was their spokesperson and they said, you know, it would be great as if you went out and did, did a study, psychologist, study on um, how kids raised in, I guess it was single, just by a single mom compared to kids raised by a mom and dad. And he, you know, yeah, awesome. This is great. This is going to be a chance to show that there's really no difference in any kind of family structure is as good as anything else. And he came back with his findings, which are on the contrary, kids need, need a dad. And they shut him out just completely. So his, the reality wasn't their reality. They wanted to hang on to their reality. He went to where the science was, to what the data showed. And they, they completely rejected him. So you always know when a social scientist finds the antithesis of their hypothesis that it really is real. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cause he, he really, and he talks about this. He really, he was excited yeah. to be able to prove this, you know, and yeah, it, it, it really is telling when, when they react to you that way, he he was very strong on the left, but this idea that anything is as good as anything else. And therefore, if we say something is better than something else, we're the intolerant ones, we're the hateful ones. We have to be canceled, purged, negated because we are all these bad things. But the bottom line is, if you do this, for example, about the kids, what's best for the kids? Why are we not focusing on I mean, really, why are we not focusing on that? Why is it your truth versus our truth? Why don't we still hold in our hands this desire and in our hearts, this desire to do best by the kids? Why do we throw it out, right? I mean, this is how the agenda-drivenness, where the agenda is the left, just tramples right over the lives and hearts and souls and minds of children. And we see this in every way over and over again. They never have the kids' best interests at heart, not ever. It's always their agenda. And we see this today with schools closed and them living in these bubbles and sitting one to a table in the cafeteria. The cruelty of this 
that they know is just is a lie while their teachers are you know on the beach in mexico and unions are are putting up all kinds of fights against reopening not for a second are they thinking about the kids so anyway that's my other tangent is that's you know what's horrible with what's going on right now um the destruction of the children i just can't even i can't bear it and they do this in furtherance of their own agenda without a single thought to the kids. Yeah. And, and it's definitely intentional because they're looking for their next crop of uh, voters and activists and right. facilitate their agenda. Unbe it's unbearable. Even as they crow about, you know, they're the ones who have the kids' best interest at heart. And they claim that that's their, their purpose. You know, we're in it for the kids. No, you're so not. You are so not. And, uh, you know, based on results, right? Uh, Carl Jung said that a really good way to determine uh, someone's intentions is to look at the outcome. Look at the outcome. And God knows what the outcome of this past year and continuing is going to be um, for the kids, for all of us, for, for the country as a whole. You know, the border, border is open. They're flooding in. Um, without any health checks and border patrol, 50% of border patrol is now not 50. That's not right. 50% are testing positive, but a lot of the border patrol are, are sick. So, but they're not allowed to do anything about it. And yet we are restricted from seeing our dying parents in hospitals. And yet they're, they're driving um, sick, illegal, immigrants and depositing them all over the country so and we're, what's going to happen this is this is mind-boggling to me i mean yeah. as usual the hypocrisy but they're letting these people flood in i think candace owens was one who posted something about you know uh her because her husband is a uh, british and when right. mom's going to be able to see her and she the best way to do this would be you know to fly to mexico and run over the border um it's which is you know it's too real to be funny, but what what is going to happen? They're letting people just run into the country, you know, yes. through the border. But yes. now they're, they're all these other countries are putting sanctions on whether we can come to them or vice versa, whether people can legally come and you know have visas here, and they, they have to go through all these hopes hoops, and some people can't, and they're trying to make that more stringent with you know all the COVID testing and with you know pushing the the vaccines and you know all the different sanctions that they're putting in place but why do people not see the complete disconnect the complete blatant hypocrisy of that no they don't <laughs> <laughs> no and you're oh, you Europeans can't come in right Europeans can't come in without all kinds of I mean, they can't they don't get visas and we know what we know why that is. They don't want Europeans in. Right. And so they want to see, and, and the other part of it, I would say too, more to the nefariousness, Texas had mandated what a week or two ago, no more masks, we're just we're open for business. Florida too, I think Arizona too. So were they putting everybody in these states? Yep. So, so that provides a nice convenient way of saying, look, you, you guys opened up and look what's happening. Where right. what they've actually done is is brought in infection. So 
yeah, yeah. The question, the really, the, really, you're right. The question is, don't people see that? And I, I don't know. And I think people mentally try very hard to make excuses um, for it. Well, it was really bad in Mexico, and so we should really be providing a haven for them. Okay, but what about letting them in if they're sick? Well, you know, they're sick. We're going to give them better health care, but are, you're we're setting them loose and well i'm sure they have they have a plan right it's it's too inconceivable it's inconceivable that this is done and they just they just this morning i think released photos of of these kids in cages down at the border and it's it's so horrendous and this is oh but thank god we have biden because he's gonna you know kids in cages no, it's it's so much worse. It's it's infinitely worse. Plus, they're all coming over saying they were told to come over, which Trump just kept saying, don't come, don't come. Right. So if they came, that's an entirely different story. But but to lure them over with promises of things and then but the but it's to destabilize our our population, it's to bring in infection, it's to He's showing governors. I mean, a lot of this is a power play against governors. Yeah, the, so, the, the federal versus the states uh, battle. Right, right. So it's it's just despicable on so many levels. But then you know, why are we broken? Because states have ceded too much power to the federal government. So my my hope is that, as it always is, the worse it gets, the more people wake up and see it, and the more people stand up to it. So if he's overriding states as he is in so many ways, immigration, HR1, um, everything, the, the pipeline, that they really do start banding together and fight it. And I think we are seeing that. And that's where I think I, I have hope in that people are waking up in the culture and being louder and more active, but also, states are, I hope, are starting to exert their sovereignty more, which is where more needs to be. It's not never intended for the federal government to have that much power. So I'm hoping that the worse he gets and the greater the he, they, he and, and the cackler, um, the worse they get, the more states will start exerting sovereignty. And I hope they start banding together and, and doing oh, that and, and, and saving the country again, you know, they're fighting, the left has been fighting. They've been, as you said, we've been involved in a revolution. It's been happening, it's slow motion. It's like, a, a, it's sometimes faster, sometimes slower, but it's been happening. And um, so, so that's been happening, but I think the resistance is gonna, is gonna start because you either resist again or you surrender and we've surrendered long enough. And I, I think Biden is that agenda on steroids. And I'm, I'm expecting that it's lighting a lot of fires under people's bottoms to get them to act. That's my hope. Yeah, no, that, that is my hope as well. I just had a thought. So this Biden-Harris or sometimes Harris administration as he were yeah. um, I, you know, there, uh, I'm certainly not the only one thinking that, you know, there's a possibility that Biden may not survive this entire presidency. 
presidency or uh, or even, you know, or at the very least be capable of running this whole. So I wonder when or, you know, how long it will be before Harris would take over. And uh, I wonder if that's part of why they're referring to it at this, you know, Biden, to kind of uh, acclimate us, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Ease the transition. Yeah, because yeah. I think we had been hypothesizing she was going to wait or they were going to wait, not, not him, <laughs> yeah. but whoever, um, till right after two years when then she could be reelected. And then a second time, Yeah, I, I think we're talking weeks, um, months after the steps. And, and I, would, I would say that too. It is, it is about acclimating. Um, again, they, they would never say that. But it also may may be revealing people talked about using the 25th amendment i i don't think that that will need to be done just say joe it's been fun you know and now it's her and yeah i i don't think he he is has enough uh power you, you know uh, enough anything his own power to be any kind of opposition it would really no I, and I don't think they want it to be like that and and maybe maybe the Biden Harris is signaling that it won't be like that that they're in this together yeah there's no hostilities nobody's gonna unseat him we love him he's wonderful but there may come a day when somebody starts talking about um Joe had trouble today and then just you know, then sort of segue him out in a in a in a gentler way. I I don't I never thought it was going to be a hostile thing. Right. They're two sure. seemingly buddy buddy from from the beginning of all of this. And that yeah, I think calling it Biden Harris Harris Biden whatever is it's is showing that there's no hostility and it's going to go through in a in a much smoother way. Not to worry. They've both got this. And maybe it's, you know, there's there's a cadre of people who weirdly voted for him knowing it would be okay because she was there. I can't fathom that, but I know, you know, people who really thought that and who this actually gives them a, a she's got his back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> If that that reassures them, it's it's not all that comforting for me. But uh, no, no, it's it's somebody. I I I'm curious what then happens because is there any possibility anybody's going to bring up the you know fact that she's not legitimate? Is anybody a, a, a not a um, natural born citizen? Yeah, yeah. I mean, is there any? I, I actually, and I will admit, I'm not sure. I've done a little digging, but it's pretty hard to find whether she would even, you know, could be legitimate as a vice president because it's, you know, understood that a vice president might have to take on president. Right. No, if, if you believe she's not um, um, qualified because yeah. of um, the qualifications born. in the constitution, which include natural born citizen. If you believe she's not qualified in that regard to be president, definitely not vice president, because what would be the point? Right. From all the digging I have done, she is not, because natural born means of parents, it's not native born, it's yeah. not 
not naturalized. It's natural born, had meaning at that time. And there's been decisions since then. I think Vitell, I don't remember the year, was the guy who wrote about this. When they put natural born in the constitution, they all knew what it meant. It had very specific meaning. They didn't have a need to define it because everybody knew what it meant. And what it means is, um, it, it doesn't matter where you are born. It has to do with whether or not your parents were citizens or had allegiances to other countries. Both hers did, neither of her parents was was an American citizen. One was, a, I think they were both students. One was a student, they were here on student visas. They weren't even like green card holders. They, they were not in the process of becoming citizens. Right. So she was born of parents who had allegiances elsewhere. By the way, same, same with Obama. Ob Obama. One of them was her, his mom, but not his father. So whether or not he was born in Hawaii or Kenya really doesn't matter. Yeah. One parent was not a natural born citizen. With her, neither of them are. There is actually a lawsuit. Oh, interesting. Um, at least one that I know of. It's hard to get traction, for, you know, for obvious reasons. Sure. So, and we tend to not really fight these things. And it may just be, you know, as, as we're learning, is something constitutional or not, our feeling that it is or isn't has sort of become not as relevant as if they decide that it is or isn't. And if the, you know, say the case were to go to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court says, yeah, well, it's unclear, we're gonna, we just decide that she is. Natural born citizen sort of de facto has come to be, to mean this. As we keep saying, after the Supreme Court decides, you have no recourse. So, so I don't know how one fights it, I guess is, yeah. is the long yeah. and short of it. If it were to be, and I guess it's kind of, not a it's really a playing a what if game but i but i'm curious if it were to go through those channels and they were to as we saw with the previous election that there's not it's not likely but yeah. if it were to then what would that mean would they need to then we who would be present right would it be nancy pelosi it would be nancy it would be nancy but oh. but i think as with the last decision they are so and because of your point, if she can't be president, could she be vice president? Right. Um, they're, they're so unwilling to undo things that are already done. And she's already been elected. Obama was already elected. Right, right. Why were no suits brought up then? Why has this issue been sloughed over? Do things just sort of change de facto and then nobody wants to upset the apple cart? And I think that the Supreme Court, generally speaking, doesn't want to upset anything. The people chose her, natural born. Well, you know, we could interpret it this other way. Just as Obamacare, well, it, it kind of was a tax if you really think about it, right? They're willing to mush around on anything to be, go along to get along and to not be disruptive. Mm -hmm. And the people, they let the people decide. The people chose Kamala out of complete, well, actually, who knows? The people didn't actually choose yeah, Kamala. They didn't actually. <laughs> and nor did they choose Biden, right? But they don't, 
they're, you know, back to, back to the word of the day, they're cowards. Yeah. And I think that this idea of, you know, deciding de facto is a real concern because I don't think yeah. that was ever meant to be set up. I, I, I think our founders understood that there are mistakes that are made, right? Yeah. So are we supposed to then for, you know, the perpetuity of this nation just be uh, beholden to the mistakes that were made and therefore they, they just they just lie and the precedence has been set and therefore nothing can be done. That's really dangerous. I mean, I think it's equally dangerous, you know, not to consider precedents that could be set, which is why you bring these things to court and yeah. to the Supreme Court and hopefully they listen and they do something at the time. But, you know, we're humans, we are imperfect, we make mistakes and we are also byproducts of, you know, uh, our spatial and temporal realm, right? So there, as a result, things do change and we may not see things clearly at that time, you know, and be given the circumstances. So yeah. there needs to be retribution. There needs to be ways to rectify um, and in order to restore, not to restore. To, yeah. To restore. Right. There does. And we keep exactly. And that's, that's kind of the despairing thing when we talk, you know, three branches and checks and balances and balance of power and all of that there's really no way to get to over, there's literally no way to overturn a Supreme Court decision. You can come in with other decisions that may be sort of tangentially similar, but, and you can have amendments, but you can't undo a thing. You can't, you, there's no veto of a Supreme Court right. decision. And, and it is, it's, it's a very helpless feeling, especially when they're not adjudicating according to the constitution, but according to today. And, and you know, as, as we keep saying there, they've just become the judicial, um, another a piece of the legislative branch. Right. And, you know, I never thought when, when we talk about Supreme Court justices and Amy Coney Barrett was this, this, and this, and she, you know, constitutionally she was, fabulous and all her answers were great but questions that need to be asked are are you a courageous person tell us about a case where where you overturned something because you felt it was the right thing to do tell us um tell us about a case that you would that you think should be overturned tell us a case where you took a stand against something that you felt was unconstitutional. And then another question that I would ask is, do you have young children? <clears throat> this is what just came to my mind. So I had someone tell me that, and I don't know if this is true, um, but I, I would believe it, maybe you know. Um, someone told me that our founders, their children were not only threatened, but tortured, and they still fought. I, and I, I don't know, like I have not, I have not corroborated this, but I, if this is true, that's just such a clear picture of the dichotomy of where we're at today, because the, it's, it takes like one small threat and for all integrity to be lost. 
or even a hint of a threat, That's you know? Thing, yeah. Yeah. Any kind of just, just glancing, you know, word of minor intimidation. Right. But no, right. And I, 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 that's interesting about the founders. I that surprises me. It may have happened. Was it was it as a general rule? Was it you know? Are we talking pre <clears throat> pre victory? Yeah, pre victory. Was it, it was so? It was by, by, by the British. By, by the British, exactly. It was by the British. Okay, yeah. that, well, I have no yeah. doubt that the British, you know, did bad things, and war is awful. Um, but yeah, the the difference, and they fought anyway, and ours, you know, just a whisper of of anything, and they capitulate. I really do think the young kids thing does play a role. I really do, and it does. It wouldn't even take much. It could be, you know, your daughter's friends are going to hate her if your decision, you know, if if you overturn a legitimate election, you know. Right. It, it doesn't even have to be bigger than that. Hate for your. This is where I go back to you know this just the values in the home because I really you know not to bring back to me but I mean that that's my frame of reference you know yeah. so like I remember as a child I mean I was bullied I was ostracized because of all of my challenges and lots of kids are this isn't to say that I was so special or unique in this regard but I did have circumstances that most children don't deal with and I was mainstream so it was very unusual for those children to, to bear witness to the, that sort of thing and you know the thing my parents always told me were you know as long as you have real friends that's all that matters yeah going to be liked by everyone that is not the goal and nobody has you know the people who look like you know that's the thing they always told me the people who look like they have all these friends it, are really just acquaintances you know right. nobody really has that many close friends and right. that that's what was important in life is knowing that you had people who knew who you were and would stand up for you they would right. defend you because they knew your heart, they knew your soul, and they cared about you. And that was important, not winning the popularity contest. Right. And I mean, I really, you know, that's not to say, I, I mean, I'm human, you know, and I have certainly been victim of, you know, we, we want to be liked like that's, and we want to be liked for biological reasons, because, you know, although we are so many thousands of years from our, you know, primordial ancestors, if you were left out of the tribe, that might mean that you, you know, a bear could come eat you or you, you die. Yeah. You die. And yeah. Tribal creatures. And so that that's why we take emotional assaults feel physical. It, it's left over from, you know, our survival instincts. So, you know, we, we all are victim of that, but there was this sense that, you know, this is more important. And so, yes, I'd like everybody to like me, but it's not going to be a reality. And so I need to know who my real people are. Right. And I say all of this just to say that started in the home. That was something my parents taught me, you know, from a really young age. And yeah. I think that that's something when you're saying like this, this hint of, oh, like your kids' friends may not like them because you overturned the election. They may tease, right. tease your, your daughter. And that's supposed to be why we capitulate and we uh, lose all sense of integrity. 
Right. Well, I'm I'm hypothesizing. Right. I mean, I'm not I, saying, I am that, saying that's yeah. <laughs> I'm not, right. But we, we can. But if, but if your children are threatened somehow, you know, maybe they, you know, hate hate to see your kid kicked out of that school or you know, right. Whatever. Um. You know, who knows what it is. It's always known that a way to get to people is through their children, through their family, one way or another. I think more that my point was the why isn't the reverse being taught to fortify the children that, you know, they right. their, their real friends will be their real friends, that their family still loves and cares about them. Right. That, you know, standing up for what's right isn't always popular. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. I, that was just a hypothesis. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely right. And not and and the flip side, flip side corollary. Are you a good friend? Yeah. Are, are you so back to loyalty? Are you loyal to your friends? And and now we're we're back to the virtues, and um, teaching your your children what's important for them and also how to be, and that's good armor also against all the slings and arrows that that are are sent our way um any dog any child of any conservative is, has to has to get some of that armor yeah you know really um we are in the way of a lot of stuff we are our lives are made to be very unhappy um not unhappy but they they do aim at us and they they want to take us down and you read story after story teacher after teacher the baker the you know every everybody is is under attack if you're on the if you're on the right so we all need to be fortified however we can and certainly loyal friends are are crucial to all that yeah, yeah i don't know how do we balance out the supreme court i don't mean balance it politically i mean um deal with decisions that they make that are not really according to the constitution federalism and all we need to empower states to annul uh, not not annul to nullify and you know again we are we're back to empowering states states exerting their sovereignty if hr1 does pass for certainly texas florida tennessee you know, uh, all the red states are going to say, nope, not not doing it. So the beginnings of non-compliance, I think, I hope. Yeah, no, I think that's really the ticket. And then I think there's one other thing I wanted to touch on. We talked about it a little bit before we, we pressed record. Um, but because I, I think this is a very important point for for patriots, for conservatives is to adjudicate where their line is mm -hmm. right you know like we're talking about the supreme court i think this is this is kind of a pervasive struggle is you know we either capitulate all or you know draw such a hard line and give up on every like you know i, I guess the expression would be like to throw away the baby with the bathwater kind of right thing. right 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 um, so I think that that's kind of, and it, it's going to be, you know, that's a very broad, obviously it's going to be different for each circumstance, but I think there needs to be some sort of guidelines for people to know where their lines are. 
right? I think that that is, I think it's important. I think it's an important thing for people to, to learn, to have a sense of, to at least start to question um, if we are to hold ground and if we are to uh, find courage you need to know which battle to pick, right? You're not going to pick every, I, right? I think we were talking about like, you know, not every hill is not a hill to die on, but you can't, but <laughs> you need to die on some hill. On some <laughs> hill, exactly right. I mean, that's what that's what they're there for. And right, pretty soon you run out of hills and you've just completely lost. So how to, how to pick that, right? And there's people who have, you know, hair triggers. Um, this person in some speech said this thing 20 years ago, so dead to me, you know, not a, not a true whatever. So I think you had said the word, and I use this all the time too. We have these, some people, I, I don't, but people have a purity tests and, you know, they, people are one issue people and boom, they said this, I'm not ever going to have anything to do with them or those who will just forgive, forgive anything because they have an R. And there are those, and in certain circumstances, any R is better than any D. I think overall that, <laughs> <laughs> if you're counting and you need a majority in the House or the Senate, yeah. Yeah. you know, because that yep. majority dictates everything. So, you know, again, things, these decisions aren't made in a vacuum. I, in certain circumstances, I will put up with someone Who's, who's an R, but not my favorite, just because we need that majority. Sure. Differently than if we've got this gigantic majority, now you can sort of whittle away at you know, the less. So, so it's kind of the, the gross tuning and then the fine tuning, right? You know, in, in a sense, you just need to get in the ballpark first and, and now you use the other dial and you can you know, hone in a little bit better, but we're, we're, all, we're all different. And um, all this, it's, it's not just which, which is that thing. I just remember a book about relationships and, and it began this way. So you're thinking about buying a house. This is, you know, do you, do you stay in this relationship or do you get out of this relationship? And it, and it works for all these circumstances. You want to buy a house, you're familiar with this, and you want, you know, X number of bedrooms and fireplaces and this many square feet and, and, you know, all of this stuff and, you know, everything. And you find a house and it's got this, 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 and this, and this. And yes, everything is perfect. But there's one tiny little problem and that it, it's built on a nuclear waste dump. So none of the rest matters. And it's just this one thing. But this is that thing that ruins everything. And so I think we each have our one thing. For some, it's pro-life. For some, it's immigration. Obviously, and Coulter, it was all about the wall. For others, it's, you know, who knows what it is. So some people are the one-issue people, um, and they're just like that. And I understand that. And I guess we each just have to decide. And that's why, you know, it, it's kind of a, a beautiful thing that we, we have primaries, we come together, we, you know, eventually sort it all out one hopes, but then things get in the way, like lack of term limits, like money, like unions, like all those corrupting influences that you say, but, you know, yeah, there's the one issue versus the no issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? And I guess, you know, to paraphrase, 
I don't know how to describe it, but I know it when I see it, not because I know it, but because that's how I feel. Right. And when during the, the primary in 2016, I had I had made you like this. I had made a matrix. I had for, there were 17 candidates or whatever. I made a matrix of those things that were important to me. Love that. It was it was actually it was pretty great. And then I just checked the boxes, you know, and this was my calculus of it. And number one, and I said, I never would have said this until Obama must love America. Yeah. Um, must know how to deal with the media, must um, value our military, must have you know done something in, in support of our military. I would have liked someone who had some military service or had family in the military, um, spoke about the importance of education, understood um, various tiers of governance, which I've always felt was important. It doesn't want to be a federal power grab. So is comfortable saying, that's an interesting question, but it's really not relevant for the presidency. I wish more of them would say that. I don't know why you're asking me about this because that's Trump not- Trump did. He, he said it often. Yeah. As president, but not in when he was running, but as yeah. president. Yeah. As president. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. No, absolutely. And, and I love that. I yep. love that. He understood. And that's, he understood. So in, when I was doing my checklist during the primaries, you know, all of those, and then you just check them. And, but again, there might've been somebody on it who was actually a nuclear, you couldn't just count checks and say he won, according to me, if there were, so you have to val put weights on, right. What are the most important things? But yeah, and some people we just say, I just don't like them. I, I just don't like that this person is loud or, or quiet or, you know, or his hair. It's, it's funny. I don't know. I don't know how so, some apply logic, some apply emotions, some apply, you know, the, my favorite one, I don't like him, but I think he's the one who can win. <laughs> right. That's just such a weird one. <laughs> I don't like him, but I think, but I think other people do or conversely, <laughs> He's, I like this guy, but I don't think he can, I don't think he can win, right? What, what kind of mental weirdness is that? <laughs> I, I, I hear that a lot. That's really right. It sounds ludicrous because, well, what are you doing to help him win? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> or what are you help, doing to help him lose? <laughs> you know? Right, right, exactly. It's just, you know, it's- When it's, did we become uh, by default? Right, and it's kind of this anti-projection and the, part of that is, I think it's a, it's a, I'm, I'm, I'm smarter than everybody else. Is, Which is ironic because you're doing absolutely nothing. You're so right? smart. You've just defaulted as everyone else. Exactly. So you've so just so given them the power. Yeah. And if you're yeah. so smart, maybe you should be part of the solution, not, you know, abdicate all responsibility. I know. I know. So um, all of this, it really just shows um, the, life's rich tapestry and what an what an unbelievable range of everything is is the human being yeah so it, what really struck me when you were talking about your little matrix which is super super awesome um, <laughs> it kind of goes back full circle though you started off by saying that you know i guess kind of like jordan peterson's rule for life you know get your house in order make your bed is very much how a lot of conservatives uh, operate. Yeah. But 
but I think there is a lot of validity because yes, you then need to also do civic duty because that's right. part of your, uh, you know, having your house in order. But part of the problem I see is that most people couldn't make this matrix. As you said, they would say, well, I don't know. I like his hair. Or I don't like his hair. I know. I know. Um, or other people like him or other people don't like him. And mo- what that really boils down to is people not knowing themselves. And it, it sounds strange to say we're, we're dealing with politics, you know, well, you need to understand who you are and what's important to you. But politics is about uh, governing people and it's individuals. So the indiv- it starts at the individual level. And that's what Western civilization is predicated on is the value of the individual. And if the individual has, and so I like this is the perfect culmination of all of it, where the root of the problem is that we have, you know, uh, destroyed the value of the individual. So the individual, and this is not to say all individuals, but many individuals have lost sense of self and sense of individuality. And therefore right. they don't know what their priorities are. They don't know what's important to them. And they don't know what hill to die on. Right, right. And I just, I, so ab- absolutely, just yes about taking care of our own lives, which is why I do support the Little League people. Mm-hmm. But also what you're saying about what's important to you, one of the, um, when, when I, my contract wasn't renewed and, you know, for political reasons or whatever, and I had, I had, I had, written as a rebuttal for this that I had told my students, my seniors who are 18 years old about to vote for the first time. I said, um, I encouraged them to decide for themselves what's important to them in a president. Don't let anybody else tell you what they think is important. You need to decide for yourself what's important in a president then do your own research and listen to them and watch the debates and read and hear their own words and you decide for yourself whom to support and then just vote and make sure your voice is heard. That's what I said. So this comes back in, in the, le- I, I, had written, I had written this in, in one of the legal things. They responded, they cited that. They didn't rebut it. They cited that and said, we can't have her indoctrinating young children and um, something about imposing my views. I, yeah. I'm like, wow. Right? <laughs> uh-huh. So exactly what you said about just deciding for yourself what's important, this is exactly what I encourage. And that is the individual, I, nothing about me. Nothing. In fact, who to vote for? What party? What? Nothing. The day after Trump won, I had students come to me. One of the few teachers in the school, because the rest were home crying, and said, "Gosh, Dr. Sigmund, I, I can imagine how bad you must feel." So they didn't know. Right. They didn't know. Wow. So I had told them, decide for yourself and make sure your voice is heard. These are to adults, 18 years old. I'm indoctrinating young children. And to your point about they want to obliterate the individual, the reason that that was problematic was it gave credence to the notion that there's another legitimate side 
Wow. Right? Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Just that. You just that there's a decision that could be made. Yep. Wow. Just the fact that there is a decision that could be made, that they had a choice, that they have options. Right? Wow. That's astounding. It's and really of course I had to be purged. You can't go around telling kids stuff like that. Don't think for yourself. Don't think for yourself. For you. Don't think for yourself. They didn't even rebut it. They didn't say that's not what you did. Wow. They took that. (laughs) And they they quoted you. And they quoted me and called it indoctrination of children. And they're not children. 18-year-olds are not. They're 18-year-olds. They're not children. And and I think we were talking about this. They want to lower it to 16. (laughs) Yeah, they do. Right? And so the idea that you have a choice, because to them, there's there's only the one true anointed one, and that was Hillary. Right. And to even imply that they might have thoughts about what a president should be other than the first woman obviously it should be her you know and whatever all else their narrative was for me to imply that there's another way of thinking um had got to get rid of you have to go and it's not because you suggested there was an alternative to you didn't suggest what one versus the other it was just think for yourself you decide for you you know you decide and you be active on it and i would tell find your find whatever cause is find whatever cause be it make a difference in the i didn't tell them in what way you know unbelievable it's really it really it's still i just i walk around my house i'm doing this or that and i just every now and then it just crosses my mind and i chuckle i just can't even I chuckle or I get enraged. Um, it's I can see where that that would be a, a the, the the vicissitudes would be very extreme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It. Yeah. There's no rebuttal. Just, um, just that you indoctrinated by telling them they should think for themselves. It's interesting because I always see you know that we talk you know the media the media is with I I personally I think you agree the media is the enemy of the people right now. Absolutely um, right. And it's because they. I, I think they are destroying critical thinking because people are so, they're spoon-fed what to think instead of how to think. And I always think about how, this again goes back to values that can start in the home. This is why they have to destroy the family. Right, 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 right. It does start with, and I remember, you know, I took uh, two years, I started college as a neuroscience major and two, I had switched to philosophy and two years in, I finally got up the nerve to tell my parents that I had switched to philosophy. And uh, my dad said, why did you take so long to tell us that you switch your major? And I said, well, I thought you'd be really disappointed in me. You know, I went from neuroscience to philosophy. My dad said, why would we be upset that you wanted to learn how to think? Oh, and, right. Oh, yeah. And I was like, that's such a great answer, dad. I'm like, I'm so glad you see it that way, you know, because seriously, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this is just fun for me, you know? So, I mean, I had a lot of reasons that I switched, but, but it speaks volumes to, I, there are very few parents that would teach their kids that, you know, that we want you to learn how to think, not what to think that you absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, well, it was very frowned upon. Yes. Well, I I, I think that kind of sums it up. I don't know if you have anything else. From- <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm sure wow. it could be a few years worth more, and I'm sure we'll do it again. But great yeah. fun, Courtney. Really, it's so fun. <laughs> anything else you want to add or close off with, or no? My goodness, we've been talking yeah. a while. Yeah, we'll no. talk again. Thanks so much. A real pleasure. Thank you. (laughs) This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.